0: We began Perik Beis of Shefer Yeshua last week, that this entire chapter of Perik Beis is about Yeshua sending spies from Shittim to to spy out the land, spy out Yericho, and we said they arrived at the house of Anisha Zona, which according to most commentaries means a prostitute, some say following Targum that she was an innkeeper, some say she was both, some say it's a euphemism, but they came to the house of Rachav and they spent the night there. Now, we addressed the question last week, (laughs) the fundamental question about this whole chapter, which is that when Moshe sent spies in Parsha Shlach, it was a catastrophe. It ended in disaster. It ended in the Jewish people being punished by having to die in the desert, to spend 40 years until they were all dead and a new generation arose. Why is uh, Yeshua making the same mistake? So we discussed various approaches in the commentaries. We discussed Ramban, who says that really really there was nothing wrong with the project of sending the spies, it was just the way the spies had responded, that was the problem, and and here, sure enough here he chose different spies who, who responded differently. The, the spies in Moshe's time, they they, they criticized the land, they, they expressed you know, cynicism and skepticism and God's ability to take them in, and so on, that was the problem, that the sending of the spies was a fine project, that was normal, uh, that was an, a normal... Uh, sensible procedure to to take when 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 we get, we're preparing to conquer a new land. We discussed the Rahlberg. who says that, that the Yeshua spies, that Moshe spies were sent to do military spying to see the the strong and weak points of the land, the strategic uh, strategic questions about the, the, what approach to take and the the values of, of different of the land, the the quality of the land. Yeshua spies were totally different. Yeshua spies were just to investigate the morale and just to uh, bolster the morale of the Jewish people by returning, as they did, a report of the terrible morale, the, the shattered morale of the people of, of Eretz Canaan. The Abar Benel takes a very different approach. The uh, the points out, among, among the various differences in the spies of Moshe and of Yeshua is that Moshe spies were 12, number 12, Yeshua spies here there were only two it says the passage says Shnayim Anoshim or aglim. only two men and furthermore a, a striking thing Moshe's spies were identified as they were Rashi B'nai Yisrael they were, the, they were Nisim they were the heads of tribes the eminent men the Yeshua spies are not described as eminent men and not only that they're not even named so we'll discuss that later in the parak. who were these spies do we even know who they were they're not named throughout the parak. They're, they're just mentioned as Shnayim Anoshim or aglim. It says she, it says uh, the Anashim, the men. She took Shneha Anashim. It says that Anashim too Throughout the parak, they're referred to as the men spies. They're they're never actually named. So Abar Bernel says a fascinating thing. He says that's exactly the point. He says when Moshe sent the spies, he chose prominent figures, influential men, men who were men who were well known. Uh, uh, men who were famous and they had a tremendous power to influence public opinion and they, the, the people follow them they were influencers the, 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 they were people who had uh, who could sway public opinion Yeshua did not choose prominent men Yeshua chose professional spies when it says and Anashim he chose people who were skilled at spying and who, who knew how to spy and did not choose people like today. You know, we don't know the names of most of the United States spies, and so that that's the way it's supposed to be. They're, they operate in the shadows. They're identified. And uh, when the when the first pasuk says that he that he sent people, it says meraglim Kheresh. Cheresh is a difficult word to translate. Some of the commentaries translated as secret and secret. So the simple understanding is it was secret from the enemy, from the target, from the from the from the, from the people of Canaan. But some say it was secret from the Jewish people as well. Barber Nell follows the school of thought that Yeshua kept the entire project secret from the Jewish people. It was a confidential mission. It was until they would come back with their report, which I guess that, that, maybe that he publicized. But the, the initial mission was not told to the Jewish people. It was a professional, a professional confidential mission. And that was the key way in which it differed from Moshe. Moshe sent you know, Public men, prominent men, who, whose who's goings and comings would be well known, whose reports would be well known, and that's why it had the that's why it had the power to influence public opinion as negatively as it did. Yoshua had a whole different plan. Joshua, Joshua sent the spies, professional spies, anonymous spies, secret spies, and it was not. Done with the whole plan to influence the, the the attitude of the Jewish people. At least not at least not before Yeshua could see the report and decide what to do with it. So the first set of spies, in other words, had they kept their mouths shut and just reported accurately,
1: but didn't tell anyone
0: but Moses about it, Did the result may have been different. So I, I I'm not sure. I think there are some commentaries who make that point to say that the report should have been issued to Moses and not to the people as, as a whole. Now, Barbenel, I think is saying that. But by the very nature of what was going on here because they were prominent men it's not realistic I think he might mean to say that it was going to be kept secret when you send uh, famous people people follow them whether they, they have followers in the modern sense or not the, the, the goings and comings of famous men people find out people know abide by nature what they do is public it's not uh, if you send out you know, a celebrity, you send out a prominent political figure, so it's hard to hide him. It's hard to send to places in secret. And to, uh, that's, that's not the way it works. Uh, yeah, in theory, if they could somehow manage to make a confidential report, maybe it would have been better. But if that's what you want, you send someone who's not a notorious figure. You send someone who's an anonymous, gray, uh, kind of blends into the crowd and then doesn't, uh, is not tracked by everyone. Yeah. So, another point as well, continuing in the same vein. We mentioned that the, the al says that their goal was not to, uh, not to report, not to assess the military strength of Canaan. That was unnecessary. Hashem was going to help them fight. And that, 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 that wasn't the point here. The point was to assess the enemy morale. That's why they went to base Rachavazona. They they wanted gossip. They wanted uh, they wanted to test the temperature of the people, the mood of the people. They went to Rachavazona. She whether she was an innkeeper or a prostitute, she knew people. People people spoke to her. People unburdened themselves to her. She was a prime source of, of gossip, of information about the not military information necessarily, but uh, but of, of of the attitudes and the moods. Abba Brunel says no. Abba Brunel says going to Rachav was a mistake. He says that they should not have gone to Rachav. As we're about to learn. That's why their mission had to be immediately aborted. The king of Iberia found out about it, and he sent out his uh, and he sent out his you know his his counter uh, his um, internal security, his, his counter espionage forces, and um, and they had to flee. They had to abort the mission and flee. He says that was not what they were supposed to do. Even though they were professional spies, they made an error. Apparently, what they should have done was simply to go about their business as under the cover of merchants and and report uh, again report report the military aspects, the strong points but not do it in a way that would attract attention. Somehow, by going to Yericho, that, uh, by going to the Teroch of Hazona, that attracted attention. I'm not sure why. You'd think if they were foreign travelers, merchants, you know, spending the night at an inn or at a brothel might be a, might be a typical thing to do. I'm not sure why he feels it attracted so much attention. But Robin Elf says it was actually a mistake what they did, unlike Rol Bag, who says that was exactly the point. They came to glean intelligence about morale, they, uh, they, they, attained, they obtained it, and then they left. Abarnel says it was a mistake. They, they they did not really accomplish the primary goal of their mission, was which was to make a old-fashioned, traditional assessment of the of the strength and defenses of the country. Instead, because they made the the error, the error in tradecraft of going to Beit Shorach of Azona, the king found out about it, and they had to abort the mission. It turned out okay. There wasn't a great national catastrophe, but it was actually an error in their uh, in their in, in their trade. Now. As we mentioned, the, the one of the Barbernell's points is that the, the Spies are, are, not, are not described as being heads of Shvatim. They're not even named. They're, they're anonymous throughout the parak. Peric- this is an interesting thing. The, 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 throughout, throughout Tanakh, The Torah often tells us the names, even of figures who seem very minor, who don't seem to play a big role, who we know almost nothing about but their names. We have the genealogies, we have all kinds of lists of people and officials and so on. We often don't know really anything about them except the half apostate, the Torah tells us their name, their father's name, and their title. And yet uh, there are other people in the Torah who seem to play pivotal roles, who seem to have uh, interesting and dramatic roles, who the Torah chooses not to name. Perhaps the most striking example is in Parashat Chayesara, where Avram sends his servant, Eved Avram, the Ish, the Eved, he sends a servant to find a wife for Yitzhak, and the servant has his adventures, he takes ten camels to uh, to, to Taram Naharayim, and he prays to Hashem, and he says, the girl that comes out uh, will be a wife for Yitzchak, and Rivka comes out, and, she, and he gives her jewelry, and she invites him in, and then he gives, he repeats the whole story to her family, and he says, I want to take Rivka back to marry Yitzchak. Throughout that story, p'sukim, dozens of p'sukim, the person is nowhere named by the Chumash. Eliezer. So Lewis points out, correctly, that is that he was Eliezer. And that, of course, is a Midrashic tradition that appears in a variety of Midrashim, and Rashi brings it, and we're all taught that in elementary school that this was Eliezer, but it, it's surprising, as, as you're surprised now, it is surprising that nowhere in the text of the Chumash is the person named. He's, re- he's referred to repeatedly as Eved Avram, and, and the Ish, the Ish and the Eved, and nowhere is he named. Then The name Eliezer, as the servant of Avram, appears once, two Parshishs earlier, he appears in the end of Parshish Lecholcha, at the story of the Brisbane Abbasarim. Where, where, uh, where, right before the first of Esarim, where where Hashem promises Avram great reward for his piety, and Avram is depressed, Avram says, uh, it's not worth anything to me, uh, anything you give me, you know, what is it worth? I have no heir, I have no son, Beisi, who ben meshek Basi? who damesek Eliezer, the steward of my house, is not my son, as it should be, it's, uh, it's damesek Eliezer, it's, it's this person called Eliezer. That is the only time Eliezer, the the servant of Avram, is is mentioned by name. There were other Eliezers in Tanakh. Uh, uh, Eliezer was the son of Moshe Moshe Rabbeinu. There were other Eliezers, but the the Eliezer as the the servant or the steward of Avram's house is never mentioned by name in Chayisara, never mentioned anywhere else except in Parshish Lechel. Now Chazal, of course, we we grow up with this tradition that it was Eliezer, but it's a remarkable thing that the never feels the need to ever mention him by name. So sometimes that's what the Torah does. Sometimes even important figures, you're left <laughs> to extrapolate the identity and figure out who he was based on the oral Torah, based on other Pesukim, like the story in Lech Lecha. And here, these spies as well, these spies are not named throughout the There There's no mention of their name. Abar Bernal indeed assumes that, Abar Bernal understands that, is because they were anonymous figures the same way we don't name our spies today they were they're not, they're not well-known people maybe not because of secrecy but they were not prominent men they were, they were professional expert spies but they were not uh, prominent figures there is however a better known shot that these spies were actually prominent men the opposite of Harapunel there, there is a Midrashic shot that these spies were Kalev Ben Yifuna who was a veteran who actually was a veteran spy he was one of the twelve spies of Moshe one of the two along with Yoshua himself who had who had persisted in righteousness and had uh, remained confident in Hashem's promise that He would deliver the land of Canaan to them. And the otherwise, was, was the other one was Pinchas. Pinchas, Ben Elazar, Ben irona a the you know, the legendary figure of Pinchas, who will encounter in other places in Tanakh, Who, of course, he's the eponymous hero of Parshas Pinchas. He's the one who, who at the end of Parshas Balak, uh, acts as a vigilante and assassinates. Zimri Bensalu and Kazi Batsur who were doing the grave sin of of, uh, of, of consorting with the, the he was doing the grave sin of consorting with a with, with, a, with a Midianite woman. Um, and uh, and and Hashem gives him great praise and says you'll have Brisi Shalom, and he'll shower he'll shower him with, with blessing and kuna and so on. And that was Penchas. Penchas is gonna appear once or twice by name in in the Nebim But Chazal Chazal famously identified Pinchas with other figures in in Tanakh where he isn't mentioned by name. This is one. One of the two spies was Pinchas. And more famously, perhaps, is the tradition that Pinchas ze'elioh. Eloi Anavi who appears in say from who appears as a pivotal figure in the time of the reign of the, the evil the wicked king Ahav so Elio Anavi is, is one of the greatest of the Navian one of the most famous of the of the prophets he has these tremendous uh, tremendous adventures these tremendous dramatic uh, dramatic accounts of his comings and goings so Chazal identified Pinchas with Elio. That means Pinchas lived for centuries. Pinchas was, he lived in the time of the desert. The stories in the time of Ahab were about 400 years later. So Chazal, Chazal say that Pinchas was Elio. Some of the, some of the we showed him, except that as well, that that, that Pinchas was this uh, you know, was this supernatural figure who lived for a supernaturally long period of time, who could appear and disappear and had other uh, supernatural characteristics. And he was one of the two spies. We'll, we'll, we'll see as we go through the Tukim here how Hazal inject Permcos into the narrative. I call upon him we have we have some very very opposite diametrically opposite approaches to the spies we have uh, the are all dying. we said last week that the purpose of the spies was to assess morale, not to assess uh, objective military strength. We have the Barbernell who says the opposite that that was just an accident they had to abort their mission and all they came back with was an assessment of morale but not that that was their primary primary goal. We have uh, and again we have Chazal, who say that these were two of the most eminent men. Caliph was one of the only men who survived from the desert. He must have been a, uh, he must have been a, uh, a revered figure at that time, one of the only tzaddikim who tried to do the right thing. He's mentioned later in Tanakh. Pinchas, who was also a larger-than-life figure, and uh, that's Chazal, and as opposed to Chazal we have a Barbanel who says these two men are anonymous, they were not Rush B'nai Israel, these were not prominent men, and they were, uh, they were professional spies uh, who operated under the cloak of anonymity and were not, were, were deliberately not chosen to be famous men. So anyway, so it says uh, this is all we, we had pasuk Aleph last week. It says they arrived at the house of an isha zona, ushma rachav. We mentioned some actually say the reason they're not named is because they chose to go to an isha zona, because they go to a, uh, because they went to a, um, because they chose because they chose to go to the house of an zona. They the 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 navi the, the the navi the navi doesn't mention who they were because the. It was a little bit disgraceful. Even though they didn't sin with her, they, they went, you know, for, for military reasons, for, for part of their cover, possibly, but it's a kind of, uh, you know, awkward and uncomfortable situation, so they're not actually named. So anyway, Pasek Bays, we have Pasek Beis, Vayey Amar Lamelech Yirichau Leymar, it was told, it was it was said to, uh, by his internal security apparatus, apparently, that he, he got a report as follows, Men have arrived tonight, Israel, these men are from are from the Jewish people, our enemy, who are uh, who are encamped out uh, out ominously uh, on our borders. Lach par they were approaching. They were approaching Yericho, and they came lach par to spy out the land. This is the we read. This is after we read on, on Parashat and I, I think, and uh, I, I always marvel, you, know, you read the spy stories, I always marvel at how good, or either, either how, either they must have made some terrible mistake in, in their spy craft or Melch must have had an incredibly good and uh, competent internal security apparatus, but the very night they came, he got a report, an accurate report, saying there are Jewish spies uh, who have arrived at Yericham. They were, heard, maybe they, were, they were overheard speaking hebrew to each other right maybe they they overheard them speaking hebrew which, which obviously would be a, 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 a dangerous mistake to make but uh, right somehow they uh, somehow whether it was language whether maybe they made a mistake in how they dressed or something maybe they, there are a thousand ways you can make a mistake and trip up and reveal that you're uh, you know they reveal that you're not uh, you're not who you say you are but uh, whatever it was we're not given we're not given much in the way of detail we're not given a whole lot in the way of detail, but uh, the point is, it was told to Melachiricho. Somehow, he uh, somehow he was told that there are that two men arrived. They're spies. They're here to they're here to spy out uh, at, uh, the land. So Melachiricho reacts. He, he acts He acts swiftly. Pasa Gimel, by Rachav So he promptly sent her a message. He said, "Hoti ha'Nashim Produce these men, bring them out. The men who have come to you, Asher baol I know they're they're lodging with you. I know they're with your. The, the Hebrew words haboyim The it says originally it says it, it says It says haboyim uh, uh, The next part that she's going to say They came unto me. In Hebrew, the, the term ba' Aleph in its various conjugations is often used. As a euphemism you know, for for sexual contact, byavoe uh, it is often used to mean sexual contact. because She was a zona so it's uh, so it's, some understand that when he said habay he meant they they came to you for you know, for those purposes, or it could just be kapshuto, they came to you for a place to stay, for a meal, and a bed. But whatever it is, he said these people who came to you. Whatever purpose they came, Abba Bar I think says either boy for, for sexual favors or a shirbol, they say, or they just came to you for lodging. Whatever reason they're here, whatever they told you, whatever whatever they told you their business is. I want these men, produce them, because whatever they say they're here for—business, uh, pleasure, uh, lodging, whatever, whatever 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 their their claim is. The truth is, he said. They have, uh, I, I, I know that they have, they have come to spy. So I want these men. Produce them, bring them out. And uh, you know, presumably he was going to you know, kill them, imprison them, something. So he told, he sent He sent Rachav a message saying, I want these men, produce them, and uh, I'll take them into custody. So she did not cooperate. She sided with the spies. She chose to help them instead. So the, P- the Pasig Dalet says, but Tikkah also has The woman Rahab, she took the two people, bat and she hid them. bat and then she told the king of Jericho Cain. you know, she, the, the the Any good lie, any attempt at spying and dissembling, you admit what you have to admit, and you deny the rest. She could have said, "You know, I never heard of these people, but you know, she knew the king of Yericho knew she was lying, so she wasn't, there was no point in trying to deny the whole thing. So you admit what you have to and you deny the rest. So she said, Cain, yes, they came to me again, whether for sexual purposes or other purposes, yes, he says, "I, it's true, they, they did come to me. It's not my fault, I don't know, they were spies, so they, they were just, they came to my my, my establishment. So yeah, I took them in, but I do not know who they were. It says she hid them. Obviously, you know, it was a little bit too late to hide them after the king of Yericho, after his messengers had showed up on her doorstep. That means she had previously hidden them. Once she ri- somehow, even, the, even though the king of Yericho, the, the, the Radak explains this that uh, that. Once she knew, that the king knew, they were playing a chess game of uh, anticipating the, the other side's move. So the king of Eureka found out fairly quickly that the spies were here. She somehow found out that he knew how, why he couldn't keep it a secret. I don't know. I guess his men made a clamor. They, they were riding down the street saying, where are the men? Where are the, you know, Whatever they were. It doesn't say originally that he was told they were at Rachef's house. It just says, people came. So I, so I guess maybe it took him time to knock on doors and try to find out you know, who are the strangers, who's new in town tonight. And while they were making that clamor, perhaps, Rachav heard that they were looking for, the, for their people, perhaps. So she went ahead and hid them. Before the king's messengers arrived at her doorstep, she previously made arrangements to hide the men. It says she took the Shnehan Hashim, the she took the two men and hid them. And then when the king's messengers arrived, she said, yes, they came. But, uh, but I don't know where they are. I, 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 don't, I don't know where they came from. I don't I I didn't know they were Jewish spies. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not I'm not, I'm not from I I'm not a counter espionage professional. I don't know anything about them. So yeah. And then we'll, we'll see the next two kin Pasik, we'll we'll see the the continuation of her response to the to the King of Urif we'll just read it now. It says Cain yes, Yes. Cain, um, Cain means either yes or means that's correct or for example, when, when when the daughters of Slavkud when they when they appealed to Moshe for the right to inherit their father because he left no, no son and they and they would they should be the heirs. So they made they made their petition to Moshe and the respond, Hashem's response to Moshe was kane okay. benos Yisrael, kane benos telafchad yeah. dofros, uh, kane means correct. I, I, don't know, I don't know if kane means a simple yes that we use it today, but it means correct, or it, it means uh, they're right, or that's right, or yes, yes in the sense of endorsing something or saying something is true and correct. But it would have to be kane followed by another sentence yes. Usually I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I think that's how it's used in Tanakh. Yeah, I think so. So... She went on, she, she she gave a whole song and dance story to the Melachiricho. She said, It was time to close the gate. They used to close the gates in the evening, and when it got dark, and the men left. It was not true. We were about to see the men were still hidden in her premises. But she told the king a whole song and dance that the men had left before they closed the gates. This is a whole lie from beginning to end. He says, I don't know. I don't know where they went, she says, they're, they're, they're gone. Ridfu Mahari, go chase them, she said. Send your men out. out she sent them on a, on a wild goose chase. She said, go chase them outside. You'll, you'll catch them if you chase them quickly. Meaning she was trying to draw the king's men off the scent. Go outside, outside the gates. Go look for them. The gates would be locked. The men would be out all night. She basically sent the king, on a, the king and his men on a wild goose chase to take the heat off her while she hid the men. We'll see in the next few questions where she hid them, how she hid them, what, what her discussion with them was. But in the meantime, when the, when she 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 pulled off this uh, obviously dangerous, if she got caught, she would have been in big trouble. But she pulled off this brave and resourceful stunt of uh, of you know lying to the king and misdirecting him and his forces to, to outside uh, to take them off the scent while she hid them in her premises. Now the mefarshim pick up on a, on a on a rather unusual rather unusual uh, wording in the text. It says when it says she hid the men, it says. In Pasuk Daled, She took them batitzpano and she hid them. Batitzpano grammatically in Hebrew means, and she hid him. with the mem would mean plural. She hid them, third person plural. B'titzpino, b'titzpino would mean she hid him. And Hebrew words that end in above are second, our third person masculine singular. Words that end in mem are third person masculine third-person masculine plural. Batitzpaneim would mean she hid them, but means he hid, she hid him, which is very odd. It just says she took the two men, Shnei and Ashim. So why would the Torah use a word that means singular when we're talking clearly, literally two words earlier, one word earlier, two words earlier, we're talking about plural, two men. So the Mephoshim offer a variety of different explanations for this anomaly. The simplest pshat is Rash, Rashi's first pshat, there are there are many him that refer to to plural to plural to plural composite groups using an individual word. Rashi gives an explanation for why the Torah would do that. It says she she, she did it very quickly. She put them in a very narrow space, which is really only room for one person. She squashed two people in in some kind of small nook. Rashi says the reason we refer to a Lashen Yachid is even though it's not strictly grammatically correct, but the Torah does that sometimes, and in this particular case, the reason is because she did it so quickly and hid them in a, t- together as if they were just one person, and then she squashed them in, so it uses a Lashen Yachid. In general, stepping back from Rashi, we do find numerous places in Tanakh where the rules of grammar are not strictly followed, where, we, where, where the Torah seems to mismatch uh, singular and plural, like here, where the Torah matches zehar and mismatches zehar and nakeva, in, in English we, we don't really have as much of uh, Zachar and nakeva except for people, but in Hebrew as with other languages, French, I think, Italian, uh, many other languages have uh, Zachar and nakeva, and even inanimate objects are typically referred to as uh, as he or she, la or li or that kind of thing, um, and and you know it's, it's one other the you have to know in the language, which 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 pronouns, which uh, which which um, prepositions and stuff you have to use for. Uh, for, for, for different types of objects, which are zakhar and which are nekeva and Hebrew Hebrew is generally you know consistent about it, but sometimes not. Sometimes we, we use them a little bit loosely, and there, there are many of these cases where where, where the Torah does seem to uh, does seem to kind of be a little loose with the language, and substitute one for the other. Sometimes we make sometimes the Mfarsha make drushes and derive. Derek Drush, or using, using, or using hermeneutical principles, to derive halacha or derive ideas from this. But very often, this, it's, a, it's, a pretty, it's a relatively not uncommon thing in Tanakh for the Torah to just not be so precise about these formal rules of grammar. If I'm not mistaken, Rab, Rab Baruch, I saw this many years ago, my father showed me this many years ago, I think, but Rab Baruch Epstein, the author of the Torah Tamima, in one of his forums, perhaps, in his Machsik Bracha, has compiles a whole list of, I think, a couple of dozen examples of this all over Tanakh, or all over Chumash, all over Tanakh, where the Torah should use achar according to the standard rules of grammar and uses nekevo, or vice versa, or singular, and plural, and so on. And sometimes the Torah does that. And Rashi here gives a specific reason why the Torah would do it because she hid them uh, together in one place, so he uses and yachid, even though we're dealing with two people. The Mepharshim gives several other explanations as well. The Radak and the Metzudas David say, she hid them separately. She didn't hide both people in the same place. She hid them in two separate locations. And what tits means she hid each one individual. So even though she collectively hid two people, she took two people and she hid each one. In, in, in English, in English we, we have a kind of... Uh, it, it's, a, it's a subtle and confusing point. But, when, but grammatically, when, 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 you, when you write or speak grammatically, pe- pe- people often get confused about this. But words like uh, everyone and anyone are really considered singular. So we, 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 if you say, has anyone lost his keys, you're supposed to say, has anyone lost his keys, not has anyone lost their keys. Because even though you're speaking to a collective, anyone refers to each individual by himself, so has anyone lost his or her keys, not... So there, 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 there's even a word for it. There's the collective. Um, there's the there's something like the, the singular they or the the. So the the, the, the the rules are becoming a little bit looser. I think even Obama famously once used there together with anyone, and all the grammar police were all up in arms about has that become accepted as correct yet in English or not? Today, of course, with uh, gender identity issues, we're starting to use they in a singular form because it avoids all the minefields of pronouns. But but in general, Hebrew has rules. Hebrew's rules are you know, thousands of years, you know, old already. And in general, we, we we were supposed to use the right word, but sometimes for various reasons. Rashi's reason is because she hid them together in a very narrow place, or uh, and the, the Radak is just the opposite. She hid them in separate places, so it means she hid each one. She hid she hit each one in a each one in a separate place. So it says singular. So that's another that's another pshat. Um, so we have we, we so, so we have several explanations. These are all but pshat. The Ralbag also says that. She hid each one separately, that's why he uses Russian Yachid, but it's to know. Ralbag says the reason she put each one in a uh, separate place, But she didn't want to put all her eggs in one basket. She didn't want to put all her spies in one basket. In case the king found one hiding place, this way the other one might escape. So she, he would catch one, but the other one would get away. Other Mepharsham other say that the, the Matudas David says the reason for hiding them in separate places is because it's easier, uh, a large hiding place is more easily found. Smaller hiding places are can can be more easily passed by. You know, if, if, if you have a big, you know, you're hiding things under a blanket. You have a big bump; it's suspicious. You have a couple of small bumps; it's not it's not as uh, not as noticeable. So the. So, so these are the approaches, uh, that she hid the spies uh, separately, or she hid yes. them together as if they're only one person in a small space. However, the Mepharshim also bring another approach, the approach of the Midrash. And this is what we alluded to before. The Midrash says, these two meraglim were Kalev and Pilchas. So Kalev ben Yifune, he was one of the two spies who were Tzaddikim in the time of Moshe, and Pilchas was, we mentioned, the larger-than-life figure who, who lived for hundreds of years, who al identify with Elio, who, who performed great nisim. And the Midrash says, the Radak brings, the Midrash says, V'lohi k'iru, Lo ra'u, Pinchas was invisible, they, they couldn't even see him, he didn't have to hide. <speaking in spoke> to <Babylon> Pinchas was a malach. al She only hid Kalev. Kalev was an ordinary human being, a great tzaddik, and, uh, but, but a, still a human being, he had to be hidden. Elio was, uh, Pinchas was a malach. an angel? It, uh, yeah, uh, it means <speaking> he was an angel, <speaking> What does that mean exactly? He was, Pinchas was a human being, he was born of Allah's urban Aaron going. So this is, this is presumably in line with the, with the Midrashic idea that Penchase Elio, Elio we refer to as Malacha Bris. Elio, we know, we say he appears at a bris, we say he, there's a tradition he visits us at the Seder and drinks from the Kosher Elio. There are these various traditions about Penchase, that Actually, it's think, a Midrash that he, that he visits the bris, he visits all the, all the brises, and we don't see him because the, the, what, what we know about Elio from the biblical text, but before we get to the Midrashim, Elio performs various nisim and then Elio's career on this world ends when it says that Elio is is ascends to heaven in a uh, in a chariot of fire. Tu that he attends that he is he doesn't die in the normal sense he he, he, he he's elevated to heaven in a uh, miraculous and spectacular uh a, Episode of a fiery chariot taking it up to heaven. So Elio was, uh, did not die in an ordinary sense and he was removed from this world. So it's not exactly clear what form Elio exists. Maybe we'll discuss this in a future share. I think Mepharsh will discuss exactly what form does Elio take today. Is he still a human being just somewhere, somewhere in the heaven? Is he actually has he, was he transformed into a malach? This midrash says, apparently, I'll try to look into this maybe for the next show we have, but this midrash seems to say that, that Elio, that Pinchas who was eventually Elio, even at this point was no longer an ordinary human being he was already uh, he was already uh, some kind of supernatural uh, only quasi human quasi angelic figure and that's why he didn't need to be hidden because he was uh, he was visible, right this is also alluded to some of ourham say the, 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 first, the very first time if I'm not mistaken the very first time um, almost the very first time Elio appears in Tanakh is in a story about Ahab. It says that Elio is outraged that the Jews are committing idolatry, that they're worshipping idols. And he says, he took, he took a solemn oath, he said, Chai Hashem. If I swear by God, he says, there shall be no rain in this land until I, until I allow it. He punished the Jewish people by, uh, by turning off the rain. Now, and that caused a devastating uh, drought and famine in Israel, and, people, and uh, Israel was in a desperate situation. King Achav was furious. Achav wanted to uh, arrest uh, Elio and, and punish him for treason, for, uh, for, for, for the terrible things he did to, 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 the, to the land of Israel. So, so, so Elio appears, it says, one day Elio appears, and he tells Ovadia, this is one of the Torahs we read also, he tells Avadia, "Go tell your master." Avadia was was one of Achav's lieutenants. He says, "Go tell your master, Hine Elio, I'm here. I want to talk to him." So Avadia says, "Are you crazy?" Avadia says, I, "He's looked for you in every land. He sent out messengers to every nation to produce you. If they find you, he's been he's been he's been, he's been fanatically devoted to to, to to tracking you down and finding you. And now you're saying Hine Elio, I mean, you you're you're the most wanted man in the world." and Aladdin and, and says what's going to happen I'm going to go call Ahav and you're going to disappear like you do and you're going to just vanish and I'm going to get in trouble for, 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 for playing games with the, with the king so the mefrashim explained when Avadiah said uh, that Elio would disappear because that was Elio's that was what Elio did he he, he didn't he wasn't restricted by ordinary human uh, boundaries of time and space and so on and he could just uh, go poof and uh, and that's kind of what, what the mefrashim are saying the midrash is saying here as well that that uh, if if, if Pilchas if Elio didn't want to be found he wasn't found there it says he would disappear here it says he would be there and you couldn't see him apparently so this is the idea that Pencha Celio was not an ordinary person and therefore he didn't need the he didn't need the the protection of being hidden the way she hid Pinchas. So Rashi says if Malach, he was like a malach. Usually a malach is not human to begin with. But uh, but Rashi also brings the other pshat that she hid each one individually. So I'll call him, these, are the, these, are the, these are the these are the three pshatim that uh, these are the three or four approaches that the mafarshim give. Either it means she hid them, and it uses and yachid even though it's plural because she hid them together as one. Or it means she hid each one individually. Or it means that the or it, or, or, it, or, or 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 like Rashi's first point, it's just a style of the mikra sometimes to use the and yachid for Rabbim. Or she only hid one of them. Only 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 Kalev needed to be hidden. Pinchas was an angel, was like an angel, did not need to be hidden, and therefore she only had to hide one. Okay, it, it's a little hard to understand the, the Pesachim then. The Pasik says, she took both of them. If she only hid Kalev, maybe she only realized after she started taking them, that, that he didn't need to be hidden. She explained it to her. Alright, but Eich so she hid one of them, she hid both of them, she hid them together, she hid them separately. Then she gave the king of Yericho this uh, song and dance to send him off on the wild goose chase. And um, once the heat had departed, once she had, once the pressure was off her, then pasuk Vav, it returns to her her uh, interaction with the spies. It says again, he had lost them She had brought them up. She brought them up onto the roof. again. Here it seems to say she hid both of them. Here it says uh, plural, that she did hide both of them. The fish they uh, la She hid them. What was the hiding place? In the, the stalks of flax that were arranged on the roof, and, uh, and that that's where she hid them. In these, in these, uh, she brought them up to dry. They still had their berries. There, They still needed to be processed. And so she hid them on. The, she put them on the roof to dry. It didn't look suspicious. It wasn't like she had suddenly put uh, a bunch of blankets and pillows on a roof, which would have looked fishy. But she had she had Pistun that was anyway drying on the roof. She hid them under the Pishtun and, uh, and, and so on, and uh, that, that's where she hid them. There is some discussion as to whether, as to whether this, uh, is this the same hiding place it says earlier in Patrick Dal, or is this a new hiding place? So some, some say this is the same hiding place. It gives you more detail when it says she hid them and then she threw the Malachi off Yirichel off the trail. Now it goes back and says, you know where she hid them? Again, kind of going back and forth, chronologically jumping back and forth in the narrative, the place where she hid them was, she hid them on the roof under the under the pishta. Others say this was a new hiding place. does David says that once she saw the Melech Yiricha was poking around, she, she, she was successful in, in misdirecting him once, but she was concerned maybe he would come back, maybe he would look around some more. She decided her initial hiding place, wherever it was, was insufficiently secure. <clears throat> so she moved them, she hid them again. She hid them again, and the... and and hid them someplace safer. The Radak says this is the same hiding place as before. We're jumping back and clarifying the earlier place. And David said this was a new hiding place. And and this was a new hiding place. And that would also explain why the verb is different. The the previous word used is batitspano, which, again, the tzafnaspanet, the Hebrew word with the roots of tzadi peinun, means to hide, a hidden thing. But tizmanim also means to hide. They're, they're, they're synonyms. They both mean to hide. But the reason the Torah uses a different word, the Navi uses a different word, the, the, the Matsuda David says, is that uh, he, I don't know if he says this explicitly, but he says that the that, that that's why he used a new word because uh, that's what the Majidikah Press Navi says that according to Matsuda David he uses a new word because because it was a new hiding place. Uh, since, since it was a new hiding place, it, it hints at that by, by using a different verb to refer to the. Refer to the current hiding place. This is a theme we talked about in our introductory our introductory share. The Hebrew, the, the Hebrew often, the Navi, especially the Navi Akronim, often repeats things. You often have the same pasuk. We'll have two halves. It'll repeat the same the same idea in different words. And many of the traditional commentaries, Radak and the Sefard will often just refer to that as kefela of the milo notes. it just repeats the same thing using different words. It's just a stylistic thing, it wants to hammer the point home, and it says it again, but it changes the word just for elegance of style. The malbim is very much opposed to this, the malbim says every word in Tanakh has a precise meaning, and dafka that word was chosen, and no other word would have connoted exactly the same thing. And when the Torah uses two similar sounding words, two synonyms, we have to tease out the, the difference in the shade of meaning and to try to explain... <coughs> Exactly what the difference is and why this word is used here and this word is used here. I once had an English teacher who was, in high school, who was uh, fanatically strict about this type of rule to the point of caricature. He would never allow us to use the same word in close proximity or two two forms of the same word in in writing. To the extent he took it to a kind of uh, preposterous extreme If we wanted to say something like, this plan had advantages and disadvantages, that was a no-no because we're using the word advantages twice. We have to say advantages and negative consequences or something like that. My mother, who is also an English professor, thought that was ridiculous. But uh, but the point is that there is such a thing in style in general that you try you know to, to use different words when you can just to avoid the kind of monotony and repeti- the re- repetitive feeling. You try to change the words. So name and batitspano mean more or less the same thing. It just switches from one to the other because to avoid using the same word. But some suggest that. That this refers to a different hiding place, a more secure hiding place, and that's why it switches from the word batitzpano to batitzpaneim, because, because... Right, so the question is why it switches the plural. That's a good question, and I don't know. That 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 that, that certainly seems to be a, um, a problem with Chazal's approach. If Chazal says it deliberately used batitzpano because she only hid one, why would she have to hide two over here? According to the other approaches it's a little easier to, to, to rule. if, if just is she hid each one separately. So here, you know, she hid both of them separately. Maybe this, maybe this time she hid them together. It's, then you can understand why the Torah switches freely between singular and plural. But going to Chazal, it's, a little, it's, again, a little div- difficult to understand why it says, but it's my name over here. Anyway, that's what she did. She hid uh, She hid the two spies. Either it's just uh, clarifying where she hid them the first time, or it's uh, telling you she hid them again in a new place. Fine. So the, now it goes back to the story. So after she told the king of Euricho that they they, they 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 scooted out the so gates. They they, they 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 got out before they closed the gates. So the king of Uriah sent his men out to chase them. <laughs> <laughs> the men, the king's men, they chased. They they gave pursuit to the spies <coughs> <in> the, <laughs> along the Ardain <coughs> by way of the Ardain al Hamabros. <laughs> the the maavar avar means to cross to, so a maavar is either a ferry or a ford the the, the 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 place the place where you cross the Yardin rashi says alhamabros is makom ma'var the 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 place where they the, the place where you cross the water you, you cross the river at certain places either where there's a bridge or there's a ferry or where there's the river is shallow and you can ford it. So they thought, uh, in their minds, uh, what they were led to believe was that the spies were in retreat and they had, the Jews were still across the Yardin. The, the Jews had not crossed the Yardin into Eretz yet. So the, the spies had initially left from the Jewish encampment in in uh, Moab. The spies had crossed the Yardin to enter Eretz Canaan, and they thought the spies had retreated and crossed back. So they ran to the Yardin to pursue them across the Yardin to try to catch them, I guess, before they got away. And that's why they were running through the Yardin. Um, the Radak points out that, that when it says that the, the men the, the king's men pursued the spies they they, they weren't actually chasing them they weren't there it was a figment of their imagination They're the people, the men actually were in Rachov's house it means it, what they thought was they were chasing the men they, they they thought they were in pursuit of the men they were really uh, going down a blind alley so it says that um, so, so they, they, they ran to the ferry um, they ran so, so, so they ran to the ferry and it says vashar uh, sagaru and they closed the gate it doesn't say exactly who closed the gate we'll discuss that in a moment it says vashar sagaru and achar asher kashayot suarot from after the, the, king's, the king's pursuers after the king's men had exited the city to chase the spies they closed the gates who closed the gates exactly you know, why, was, why was somebody closing the gates to lock the pursuers out so it's not so clear, Rashi says Vashar Sagaru Hashar the, the, the officials who were in charge of closing the gates. The gates had to be closed at nightfall. Well, the king's men were on a mission. Uh, we'll deal with that. E-e-e- either it was so important to close the gates, even if that meant locking the king's men out, or it's like a bureaucracy that one department doesn't know what the other department is doing, doesn't care, and you know, my job is to lock the gates. The fact that you're on a mission for the king, a na- mission of national security, it's not my problem. I'm locking the gates. But whatever it is, the kointerashi, it was the shahrim, it was the, the gatekeepers locked the gates, and the possibility they, in case of spies, was the spies were still inside the city. To lock them in. To lock in. Right, that's another idea. That the, the, the king maybe was hedging his bets. If they're gone, my men will, will will chase them down. If they're here, we'll keep them here until we have a chance to go house. Yeah, maybe that's also a possibility, right? I don't think I saw that one, but it, sound, it sounds like a possible idea. Uh, other Mifarsham understand that it was the Miraglin who locked the gates. That it's, I don't know how they had the power to lock the gates, but it says that the Others learned the meraglim themselves locked the gates. Rash, the the Radak says, who locked the gates? The Radak says that it was that the meraglim or Anshe Abayis or the the people of Rochel's house they locked the gates. They they, they uh, we're going to see later that she lived her house was in the walls of the city, so they locked the gate. They 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 did that. And it says, yeah, but the spies wouldn't have gone wandering around locking gates. The spies were hiding. The spies were scared of getting caught. They, they weren't able to go freely about. So he says it was the the men of Rachov's house locked the gates. And... Um, so have a the right, the and the wall. And so... so we, 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 sorry? Right, so we're, we're going to see a little more about that. We're going we're to see that when the, when the way the spies actually got out, once the king's men were gone, she lowered them out through the window. To, she, she, she at least had a window access to go outside. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see more about the configuration of her house a little bit later. But in the meantime, it says... In the meantime, it says that the that they that their men their people that the, her people who were loyal to the spies were locking the gates and he says to either either he says they, they did it right away that when it says Kashi Yatsu but as soon as they went out they wanted to lock them out and secure the secure their house they locked the gates right away or he says or he says uh, he he says if it would have said Kasha Yatsu,
1: it says Akare
0: so If it would have said just kasher then it would mean that that they locked it right away. So that then it would have looked suspicious. As soon as they left, you locked the door. You look like you have something to hide. That's why he said they didn't do it right away. He says he said they gave them a chance. And they waited a little bit. Once they had you know gotten clear, it didn't look it didn't look suspicious anymore. And then they uh, and then they locked the gates. That's why it says Goshere, That they gave some time until a decent amount of time had passed until the the guard the the, the king's men had left. And then they locked the gates to uh, you know, to uh, to keep to keep to keep themselves secure. Um, yeah. So there are there are people who that Dar apparently says uh says what you said. I haven't seen this, but says what you said. They bring here that. That the, she actually told them, you know, it's your fault. They escaped through the gates. You should have locked the gates earlier. For you, you know there are spies there. Now she had the chutzpah. Not only did she, chutz, not, only did she uh, not only did she say that it's not my fault. The spies escaped. It's your fault. You let them escape. You should have locked them in. So they ran out and uh, and they locked the gates behind them. So they locked the gates to keep the spies in, which was which is what we suggested to keep in case the spies were still inside. That, that, that's exactly what they did. So we have about four different explanations, three or four explanations for who locked these gates. Rashi says it was just the regular gatekeepers locked the gates, either because they, they still felt the security threat of invasion outweighed the, the, the possibility of locking the, 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 the king's men outside or because, you with know, bureaucracy, they just didn't know or didn't care. That's one explanation. It was the gatekeepers who locked it. Radak says it was Rachov's people, the spies themselves, or Rachov's people who locked it to keep, to keep the spies safe. And the third shot is the Barbernell, which is what you suggested, that it was the pursuers, the men themselves, the king's men who were looking for the spies. They locked the gates behind themselves in order to keep the spies in in case they were still inside the city.